I'm here. I'm trying not to choke on a Snicker bar. <laughs> I'm a professional. Shut up. Shut up. Wow. Wow. My my, my uh, jerk call screener is actually, we're looking at each other face to face, which is why I realize why I like to do this job remotely from home. <laughs> The phone number, if you would like to call in, is 877-973-7425, and I need to reply to listener Michael, who's retired from the Army. Mike, I am very sorry. In the first hour of the program, I mentioned my flagship station's 100th anniversary, and I played uh, part of the music that started the broadcast. And I uh, said it was the the uh, light Calvary instead of the light cavalry. I'm in seminary. I'm sorry. Calvary, cavalry, yeah. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> Different positioning of the of the letter V. I realize, but eh. Charge the 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 cavalry to Calvary, and we'll all be fine. Now, we have to move on. Uh, let's talk about don't say gay, shall we? Just just for a moment. <laughs> Speaking of Calvary, um, don't say gay. The the bill in Florida that actually is it called that. He, this is part of the problem. I made this point the other day. I, I will remind you of my my brilliance from the listen. I have few of them. I want to remind everyone when I have one. Back during the Obamacare fight, members of the media were furious at Republicans calling it Obamacare. Uh, why? Because uh, it was actually the Affordable Care Act. And the media wanted to call it the Affordable Care Act because, in part, they said, one, call it what it is, and that's its name. And if we're honest about it, it was a measure of branding. The the Democrats called it the Affordable Care Act, and the media wanted to echo their branding. And they were furious when Republicans called it Obamacare, but Obamacare took off. So, too, did something else. Death panels. The media was furious with the branding of death panels, but death panels took off. And notice they wouldn't call it a death panel. Oh, no, they pushed back on that. The fact checkers from PolitiFact were all over the place. It isn't. It's not a death panel. It's just to decide whether or not a senior citizen on the verge of death should get continued care when they're going to die anyway. So a death panel. No, it's not that. They wanted to go with the Affordable Care Act. That was the official name. I've looked. The official name for the legislation in Florida is not the Don't Say Gay Bill. It's the Parental uh, Education Rights Act. And notice the media doesn't want to call it the Parental Rights and Education Act. In fact, the media has come out, ABC News has come out with a poll, and it it turns out like 65, 70% of people are opposed to legislation that would prohibit you from talking about gay people in school. I got to say, I'm in that demographic. I I, I think at, at some point in school, uh, kids are going to be talking about this stuff. You, you might as well be teaching about it. Explaining it in high school, where maybe it's relevant to the conversation. 
So the Daily Wire actually followed up with a, a more accurate bit of polling on, and it turns out 70% of parents actually don't believe that children in kindergarten, first, second, or third grade need to learn about sex or gender identity. That's actually the bill. Uh, we, we don't need to teach the kids about sex. And, and can I just say this? Because because the pushback from progressives in the media is, oh, you just mean homosexual sex? No, I really don't think a kindergartner needs to know how mommy and daddy make babies. And I frankly think you're a demented person if you think that uh, parents need to do that. And you know what? If you think, well, I, I heard someone say the other day, well, my partner and I have children. And we want them to be able to learn that people like us exist and are common. First of all, statistically, you're not. But secondly, uh, why can't the kids ask the parents? Why, why can't a kindergartner who sees that Sally has two daddies, why can't the kindergartner ask mom and dad? In fact, when little Bobby raises his hand as his teacher – so why does Sally have two daddies? Uh, the teacher could say, well, Timothy, ask your parents. We're here to learn the ABCs and one, two, threes. But the left is infuriated by this. They say it's not needed either. Well, if it's not needed because it's not happening, why don't you mind having a law on the books that will never then be used? You do that all the time on the left because they actually want the culture war in schools. Can I just add, in all, in all candor, respect, and honesty, I must ask this question. How the hell am I the culture warrior for thinking that we don't need to teach kindergartners about anal sex? How am I the culture warrior? How are you the culture warrior? I, I don't I don't understand. Why can't we just allow the teachers to teach? The, and you know what the problem here is, is we now have a litany. There, there are accounts all over the internet. In fact, some of these teachers are just just prideful about it, prideful that that they want to indoctrinate your kids. They're prideful about it. And it mostly only affects rich white people in the West. It doesn't actually tend to affect anyone else anywhere in the world. It, it's, it's a unique product of Western civilization at this point. And notice they're, they're not like doing this in, in areas of high Muslim concentration. Dearborn, Michigan has the highest concentration of Muslim Americans in a city population. It's about 10% or more of the city population there. And in fact, there have been studies in Western societies that have shown that when a Muslim population in an area gets above 15 percent, that's when the Muslim, the local minority Muslim population begins to pressure for social change conforming to their values. And this is what it is across Western. By the way, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. They, they're 15 percent of the population. They, they get to speak up and say, wait, this offends us. You notice there's never been a pressure campaign in Dearborn, Michigan to introduce this stuff. Why? Why do you think that is in an area of high Muslim concentration? You don't see the teachers. Yeah, I I think we need to teach the kindergartners about sex. It's 
It's not happening there. It's happening in white enclaves around the country. You know, it's also where it doesn't happen. You know where it doesn't happen? It doesn't happen in a lot of inner city schools. It doesn't happen in areas of high non-white population. It's not it's it's not something that's happening in a lot of the border counties in Texas where they're predominantly Hispanic. This is a feature of upper income white society and the teachers who reflect and absorb that society who they themselves are not of upper income white society, but they they live in that culture that they it's the culture of the elite trickle down to the masses. And so here comes the Florida legislature say, "You know what? We want to do a couple of things. One, We want parents to know what's being taught in school. You know, one of the controversial portions that doesn't get talked about in this legislation? The teachers will have to put up their lesson plans online. The teachers will have to actually put online what they're teaching in the classroom. Kill horror, how awful that the teachers might actually have to show the parents what they're teaching. And, you know, this all comes after two years of Zoom classes where the parents saw it and they're like, what the hell are you teaching my kids? How is this education? And the teachers are horrified. And you'll notice that they're not talking about that. They're not talking about that portion of the law. They're talking about the we don't want you to teach your kindergartner how to have anal sex. And I hate to be that crass with it. But that's what the legislation does. We don't want your kids, your kindergartners, to learn that boys can become anything other than boys. They get into it in fourth grade. You know, it, the, the law only applies through third grade. In fourth grade, if you want to teach the fourth grader how to do it and what the holes are for, excuse me for being a little crass here, but you can do that in fourth grade. You can be as crass and, and raunchy as you want within the bounds of, of education and, and child porn laws. But in third grade, we think we just want them to learn grammar and math. And yet you would think that this is a ban on it at all, that 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 Sally's two fathers can never be accepted. Society. No, 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 they can. Just outside the classroom, have that discussion. Inside the classroom, just teach. Teach the kids their ABCs and one, two, threes. Teach them how to be friends with everyone. I mean, and here's the thing. I don't want my kindergartner to learn about heterosexual sex. I don't want my kindergartner to uh, learn what um, sexual attraction is. I want my kindergartner, and I've had two of them, to learn to be friends with everyone, regardless of race, ethnicity, creed, religion, lack thereof. I want to be learn be friends with everyone. When you're in kindergartner, when you're a kindergartner, the learning the lesson love your neighbor. It's kind of the lesson they need to learn, not how to have sex with your neighbor or that you may become uh, aroused by your neighbor when you can't because you're a kindergartner. Your hormones aren't there. What boggles my mind is that the Western elite think that your kindergartner should. And by the way, they're not in the majority. They arranged the polling by obfuscating what's going on there. And this phenomenon spreading. This, again, why I support school choice. I think if you want to send your kids to a school that does teach this stuff, I disagree with it, but it's your choice. If you want your kid to be like a, a five-year-old prostitute, uh, it, it's your choice. I don't want my kid that way. 
And when I'm like got grandkids and, and your kids like have great grandkids, I know I think you've made a bad mistake. But I think it's your choice. And your choice will have consequences. And don't you make me bail you out of those consequences either. See, this is honestly, this is part of my great fear. My great fear is that we're going to have this collapsed society around us with all these people making these terrible decisions, like, like the kids who for two years have been in masks or, or Zoom calls. And in like 10 years, we're going to be, well, we got to bail them out. Uh, they're all behind. We, we need affirmative action for kids with speech impediments because the government kept them in masks on Zoom calls. No. No. We don't need to bail people out for this stuff. We're going to, because that's what we always seem to do. But I'm, I mean, I'll warn you now. I'll pitch a fit then when it happens. Oh, but you're so mean. No, I was telling you at the time it was stupid for you to do it, and you did it anyway. We should stop bailing people out of their mistakes. We should stop bailing people out for the things they did that the rest of us said, maybe you shouldn't do that. And in the meantime, we probably don't need to be teaching our kindergartners about heterosexual or homosexual or, or or any other sort of sexual relations and sexual attraction. We actually need to teach them how to read and how to write. How will they ever learn to read Timmy Has Two Fathers if we can't teach them their ABCs in kindergarten? I mean, let them read it for themselves when they get smart. Read a book, kid. You can learn all sorts of interesting things by reading books. But you can't read books if the kindergarten is too busy indoctrinating them into sexual relations instead of actually teaching them the basics. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> Got to say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them, so so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light, it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're. I mean, it's just. And then they bunch up the the man the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets. It makes a real big difference. Listen. You've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowl and Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable, and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my Bolin Branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BolinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide from my 100-year-old flagship studio, WSB, that actually you would never know it was 100 years old. 
uh, just fresh and bright and strong. The phone number, as the voice said, 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones, Brent. Or, nope, I'm sorry, Bob, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Brent. How you doing today? Great. Uh, my point was, I was listening to what you were saying. Uh, it appears it's, it is. Schools are, are assuming the responsibility for what I consider to be family values. Right. It's up to the parents to discuss sex. What is sex? When to have sex? Who has sex? I think that's a family activity, not a school activity. Right. And the other part is teachers. It's not a question of teachers are educated and trained in the practice of teaching, mm-hmm. not what to teach, but how to teach those subjects. And I think the unions are just saying, we're going to tell you what, not only how, but what. Right. And that should be a reflection of each school district's parents through their board of education. Yeah, you know, th- th- Bob, listen, I-, I appreciate that point. Thank you very much for that. One of the issues here, and it's across states, is that increasingly there's this idea within public education that parents should not be able to be involved in their children's education. Uh, They should not shape the curriculum that the government knows best. Actually, uh, this is the same government that put kids in masks for two years in school and now says, wait a second, turns out that the kids who didn't wear masks in schools are further ahead than the kids who did. And yet we're going to trust this government to set the curriculum for kids. We see this across across the planet. Now, we've got uh, legislators here in Georgia, in our state legislature, where they're uh, talking about this parental bill of rights and school choice in Georgia, and they're actually taking the position that uh, the parents shouldn't be involved, the parents should have no say in education, and they don't like transparency. I thought transparency was a good thing. They want transparency in every aspect of society, but by God, when parents want to know what their kids are actually learning in school, we we don't want you to know. They just saw it for a year on Zoom classes, and that's why parents are mad. And the response from school boards should not be, well, we need to put it under lock and key and not show the parents anymore. The response should be, okay, let's have greater transparency. And also, let's stop indoctrinating the kids. I will tell you again the reason we are at this point. Because they failed to cure poverty. They failed to keep a lot of families intact. They broke up families. They made it hard to get work. They went after families in inner cities and broke up those families and threw a lot of younger black men in jail for stupid things. They didn't need to be there. They needed to be helped. And then the government said, told, told the moms, well, you don't need dad. We'll, we'll take care of it for you. They, they created a perpetual cycle of broken homes, and the kids fell further and further behind because dad's in jail, mom's working three jobs, there's nobody there to help the kids in the morning, the kids have to help themselves, they go to school, they're tired, they're hungry, the teachers can't teach them, we put inordinate pressure on the schools and the teachers, and they've the, the left has decided, well, we'll just give up on this education, so let's indoctrinate the kids now into what's socially acceptable, and what's socially acceptable to the left? All the things God doesn't like. It's not going to end well for us unless we go back to teaching and try to put families back together. And, you know, one of the great things Donald Trump did was the the reforms that allowed a lot of people out of prison who should have never been there as long as they were. Hi there. How are you? It's Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Oil prices are starting to go down. Y'all, 
I had to pay five oh five a gallon. Now, full disclosure, yes, I got a I got a nice car, and if I don't put in Supreme, it rattles. The engine rattles, and it gets very annoying. So I do, and it was five oh five a gallon. But regular unleaded was over four dollars and fifty cents. I paid a hundred fifteen, a hundred five, hundred five dollars, which is absurd. But gas prices are going back down. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. This is important. They're down for a couple of reasons. In fact, uh, West Texas crude and Brit crude are both down under $100 a barrel. Why? Because... The economic fallout from the Ukraine invasion globally has not been as bad as people thought. And two, the Federal Reserve is planning on raising rates, which will slow growth. Follow along with the second one. What the Democrats would have us believe is that there's nothing that can be done to affect gas. You, you, you can't you, you can't say you're going to start drilling because it could take a year and and that won't bring immediate relief. The Federal Reserve hasn't met yet. They know rates are going to go up. It's going to happen this week, but they haven't met yet. They haven't done it yet. It's not going to have an immediate impact. Raising the rate won't have an immediate impact. And yet oil prices are already on the decline because of that. They could take action. They just choose to not take action. Here's the former Dallas Federal Reserve president. Look, I'm a Texan. I don't understand why we wouldn't incentivize our own output sector here rather than just go and beg others to produce more. Uh, We do need to bring the prices down. The best way to do it is to produce more. There's plenty of price incentive right now for the oil and gas operators here in the United States. Um, and we are the largest producer in the world when we are full bore. So we're not dependent on anybody else. That's very important for our national security, especially at this moment with what's going on in Europe and the land war in Ukraine. Yes. Here's the president of the United States. And now, second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin and gas prices. Not a joke. We've seen the price of gas go up over a dollar just since he put his troops on the border on the border of Ukraine. They went up a dollar and five cents. Big part of that reason is Putin began amassing troops along the border and then crossed. And guess what? The world took notice. The market anticipated. Prices went up. And then Putin invaded. Make no mistake, the current spike in gas prices is largely the fault of Vladimir Putin. It has nothing to do with the American rescue plan. Back to Wall Street. Wall Street estimated that the And the San Francisco Federal Reserve said, analyzed it, said the rescue plan contributed only 0.3 percent to inflation, 0.3 percent. That's coming from the Fed. Rescuing our economy didn't cause this problem, but we're working to fix it. Um, You know, prices were up $1.50 since Biden took office. They only went up 70 cents more. Because of Putin, uh, <laughs> Pete Ducey, God bless him. Pete Ducey, Steve Ducey's kid, the White House reporter for Fox News, finally went there today with Jin Saki. This is great. 
And so to that point, inflation goes up today. The president's statement blames the Putin price hike. Are you guys just going to start blaming Putin for everything until the midterms? Well, we've seen the price of gas go up at least 75 cents since President Putin lined up troops on the border of Ukraine. And and last month, the statement didn't mention the Putin price hike. It mentioned inflation because of the pandemic. Why is that? Well, Peter, last year, last two years, there was a global pandemic. (laughs) Everyone who's a global economist have all agreed that that has been the biggest contributor to date of inflation because of the impact on the supply chain. Obviously, global events impact the economy, the global economy, as well as global inflation. And the uh, price hikes as a result that have escalated over the course of time of President Putin's further invasion of uh, the impact on the global oil markets are, of course, having an impact. Uh, you, You know, this is why I love radio. Radio is the most intimate medium. I actually don't. So I, I'm sitting here at my flagship station. It's their hundredth birthday today. They've been on the air since March fifteenth, nineteen twenty-two, and we've seen what records and eight tracks and cassette tapes and CDs and DVDs and MP3s and podcasts and streaming and satellite. Radio is the most intimate medium. You can hear me breathe. You hear the tone of my voice change, the pace, the rhythm, the humor, the anger. You can hear Jen Psaki in that with Pete Ducey trying her best not to give a know-it-all smirk. You can just hear in her that she likes the jousty with Ducey. She finds it funny even as she finds it annoying. You can hear all that. You can hear Ducey being the straight man. Uh, are y'all just going to blame Putin for everything? Are you, I mean, they are. They're bl- you just heard Biden. They're blaming Putin for everything now. It's actually somewhat hilarious uh, that they've, they've lived with this. But here's the problem. You know, the polling out there doesn't show it that the American public connects to this line of argument. In fact, the polling out there is pretty bad for Biden and the Democrats at this point. A majority of Americans disapprove of the president's handling of the situation. To his credit, the president's disapproval has gone down from the high of 55.3% down to 51.7%. Here's the problem, though, for the president. His approval rating is at 42.9%. Let's give him charitably 43. The lowest it's been... Uh, it fell to 39.8% in the polling average. That's the lowest it's been. So it's gone up to 43%. From 39.8 to 42.9, it's gone up. If we want to say from in polling rounding, it's gone from 40 to 43%. Why? Because Americans want to be supportive of the president in a time of crisis. But notice what a lot of them aren't doing. They're not jumping from disapprove to approve. They're jumping from disapprove to, I don't know. They don't want to say they disapprove of the president in a time of crisis, but they can't say they approve because they'd be a liar. So they're just, I don't know. And 
that's where they are. They don't know. I mean, look at this, the Trafalgar group. It's 52-42. So you got 94%, so you got 6% undecided on the president. That's down 10 points. Or look at insider advantage. You got 42 approved, 54 disapprove. So you got 4% undecided. Reuters Ipsos, though, you got uh, 45-49 with a four-point spread underwater. Economist YouGov has the same number underwater. Quinnipiac has him at 51 disapprove, 40 approve. You got a whole lot of undecideds in there. Politico has pretty much the same number, 51% disapprove. You got a whole lot of undecideds. Those undecideds aren't undecided. They disapprove of the president of the United States, but they don't want to say so right now when he's dealing with a crisis. They want to try to find some way to be supportive of him. And they're having a hard time. There is breaking news happening now. I've got to pivot to the breaking news. This is actually uh, really big. This is actually historic breaking news. I'm not exaggerating. The United States Senate has just unanimously voted on S-623. This is the long-advanced Marco Rubio Act he has introduced every year in the Senate since he became a senator. It has just passed the Senate on a unanimous vote. It would make daylight saving time permanent. It has passed the Senate unanimously and is now headed to the House of Representatives, and it is expected to pass the House of Representatives. Therefore, we could be in permanent daylight saving time in the United States of America. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't care. I honestly, I don't care. Morning or Look, I get the trade-off. Right now, we get up to take our kids to school. It is pitch black outside. I mean, it is black. It's like midnight black outside. No, I'm not a racist. I'm just describing the, what it looks like outside. It's just there, there's no sun. And then slowly it comes up and it blinds you in the eye as you're driving to school You're suddenly hit by the sunshine in your eyes and you think you're going to die because you can't see the road in front of you. And that's because of daylight saving time. Now, the corollary is in the evenings during daylight, regular time, standard time, your kids come home from school and it's already dark outside. They can't go outside and play. And all you want is your children to go outside and leave you alone in the afternoon so you can decompress from work. And they're like, it's dark and it's cold. Can't go out. Now you can throw your kids out of the house in the afternoon when they come home from school and they can stay outside until 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And if they come home, they come home. And if they don't come home, well, you've got people who care about human trafficking. It just, it's, it is. I'm kind of in favor of either way. The one thing that I wish uh, that we would go with standard time, even though I like having sunny afternoons, is you get to July. You get to the 4th of July, and the kids are like, Dad, when can we pop the fireworks? Well, it's got to be dark out. Dad, when when can we pop the fireworks? Well, it's got to be dark out. Dad, when can we? It's 9 o'clock and the sun's still up. You've got to wait until 10 p.m. to shoot the fireworks because it's not dark yet. I just That's kind of why I see a benefit to standard time. But if you're in Florida and you want to take your kids to Disney World, you want daylight saving time so your kids can stay in the park all night and it still be sunny. And I get that, which is why Rubio wants it. The tourists really want daylight saving time, and it looks like they're going to have it. Uh, the United States Senate unanimously has passed the legislation. It heads to the House of Representatives now, where if they pass it, Joe Biden will sign it into law. Well, I don't know. Will Joe Biden, old man, will he want the sun up that late? 
I don't know. I don't know. Will he want his son up that late? I mean, listen. I mean, we know what Hunter Biden is up to no good that late at night. I don't know. But I hope he will. He can always put on. You know, we, we got, a, we got a, a millennial who works for us. And dude wears a sleeping mask at night because he doesn't like this. It's weak. Weak. If there's a war, we'll throw him to the Russians first. Weak. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. I say that enough on radio. I say that enough on radio. We will we will make no munchkin jokes. Okay. Now, I got to tell you about Patriot. Look, he's fishing right now. Anyway, do you know he bailed on work to go fishing? The big mouth bass is what he wanted to go catch out there on his fishing boat. I have no sympathy. All right. Some of you listening who know him, you can tell him we were talking about him. Philip. Patriot Mobile. They could be your cell phone carrier. You know, they support the conservative movement. They give you. Uh, or they they give the conservative movement a portion of their profits, and by you doing business with them, you help them grow their profits to give to the conservative movement, and you get great discounts. You're a veteran, a first responder, you're you're a teacher, you're an NRA member. They you got a big family, you need multiple lines. They give you discounts. Go to PatriotMobile.com/Eric. PatriotMobile.com/Eric. You can also call them. They've got 100% U.S. based customer service. Nine seven two Patriot. Nine seven two Patriot is the phone number, or if you want to do it online because you're like me and you hate talking to people, uh, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Nationwide, they can help your business grow. You need large loans for big deals because you want your company to be a big deal. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. That's the website, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. We're talking $750,000 or more, but if you need it, they can help you get it. They've been doing this since the 90s, firstlibertyga.com. There is more breaking news, this particularly for people in Georgia, but I've just continued to be fascinated by Donald Trump's interference in the Georgia races. You know, uh, Georgia has an insurance commissioner, uh, John King. He is the first uh, statewide Hispanic official in Georgia. He has an impressive military uh, pedigree, and Trump has chosen not to endorse him because he was appointed by Brian Kemp, even though he's been fantastic and support of the president, his former police chief, too. Uh, you should, if you live in Georgia, support John King for insurance commissioner. But this poll is about the governor's race. Donald Trump has decided to endorse David Perdue. This is from BK Strategies, and it is probably one of the worst polls for David Perdue because what Perdue has, has glommed on to is the idea that once people find out that – uh, that that Donald Trump supports David Perdue, that voters will shift. In this poll, per, uh, Trump has an 81% favorable rating among Republican voters. And 72% of likely voters in the Republican primary know that Donald Trump supports David Perdue, and yet... Brian Kemp leads Senator Purdue 48-38 among people who know Donald Trump supports Purdue. Completely blowing up uh, his his polling. Uh, if for overall, it's 48-33 Kemp versus Purdue. Brian Kemp leads David Purdue in the polling 48-33, including a 32-19 lead among voters who will definitely support their chosen candidate. Also, David Purdue has a lower favorability rating. Brian Kemp has a high favorability rating. David Purdue has a low favorability rating. More interestingly, 
By a 46 to 33 margin, Republican primary voters believe Brian Kemp is the best candidate to defeat Stacey Abrams. That's not good when Stacey Abrams is your existential threat. That's not good. Uh, brutal, brutal polling for um, for David Perdue here. Uh, Kemp has higher favorables and lower unfavorables. That's just not a good setup. Uh, the You've got until May. Now, uh, Donald Trump is going to come campaign for David Perdue in Georgia. And he's doing a fundraiser at Mar-a-Lago for David Perdue, who hasn't been able to raise money. In fact, David Perdue and Stacey Abrams, 80% of their money, both of them, David Perdue and Stacey Abrams, 80% of their money comes from outside Georgia. If you can't get people in the state of Georgia to give you money, that's a, a sign, a foreboding sign that you don't have the base of support you claim that you have. Perdue said he would unite the Republican Party in Georgia, and he has united the Republican Party behind Brian Kemp. It's not working out the way he wanted. And listen, it, it pains me to say all that because I really do like David Perdue. I'm very frustrated with his entry into this race in Georgia, and he's going to lose. Herschel Walker, on the other hand, is probably going to walk away with the primary. And the Democrats, I still continue to be worried they could eat him alive. I hope not. I hope he's prepared for the attacks. I really do. There are a lot of people in Georgia who are not from Georgia originally, and they did not live here in the Herschel Walker glory days, and they don't kind of owe him any favorability because of what he did as a Georgia football star. So I hope he's prepared for the coming attacks from the Democrats in the general election. But unless something really changes, he's going to be it. I probably will vote for Latham Sadler or, or uh, I like Gary Black too. Uh, I, I like Gary, Gary Black's been a great ag commissioner. And I don't, I don't, Mind Herschel Walker, I, I'd vote for him. Uh, certainly in, in the general, I'm just really concerned about what the Democrats are going to do there. I mean, you've already got Warnup on on air doing his his I'm a Mr. Nice Guy stuff. Um, Sadler is just he's a young guy, special operator, traveled to Afghanistan. Foreign policy is going to be a big deal in the next couple of years. I'm intrigued by him as a fresh face, but maybe his place is somewhere else in Georgia politics, and Herschel will be the nominee. Judging by the polling, it's going to be Herschel Walker. Let's not kid ourselves. And it'll be Brian Kemp against David Perdue. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.